it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holland's flagship podcast. I am your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Julie. And, and Josh, how does it feel to be a fan of the hottest team in baseball right now, the, the Cincinnati Reds, who are currently riding a, a blistering two-game win streak? It's amazing, Gene. Don't sell them short. Three out of four. You know, they're sitting at six, six and 23, right where they want to be, um, with plenty of, plenty of games left to go. So... No, I mean, it's good that they're winning a couple ball games, but uh, I haven't gotten my hopes up yet. But uh, good to see those things and got warm weather coming, all that good stuff. So it's a good time of year. Yeah, for sure. And just to kind of round out our uh, our opening here with, with the Ohio baseball talk, last night I had the... Um, I'll say the pleasure of working on the the Cleveland Guardians versus the Chicago White Sox game, and boy, that was a trip. It was uh, they were down <laughs> down eight to two going into the ninth inning. Uh, pulled a very similar thing to what my Mets did the other week against the Phillies. Josh Naylor hit a game tying grand slam against Liam Hendricks. Uh, they went on to win. He went on to hit the, the game winning three run home run later on extra innings. So uh, pretty good stretch right now for Ohio baseball. Even though you know both both teams heading in, in different directions, I would say, but a very exciting game last night for the Guardians and and one that I had. Uh, that definitely put me into some hell last night working on that game. But nonetheless, it was it was exciting. We got you know a lot of baseball going on in the summer. Ohio State's baseball team. Uh, we don't really talk about a ton. They're not the best, but they did just have. I'm pretty sure they scored like 26 or, or 27 runs or something like that in one of their latest yeah, games. Yeah, they had a big game. Yeah, it was against Northwestern. It looked like a football score. Uh, but yeah, the summer months, not a ton of, of obviously Ohio State football and basketball, which is the bread and butter of what we do here on Hangout in the Holy Land. But what we do have is a ton of recruiting talk to do. A lot of that going on. It's going to be a busy couple of months for Ryan Day and his crew, as well as Chris Holman and his guys. But in the in the last week or so, as we've gotten into May. Uh, last, I'd say probably about two weeks, Ohio State has, has landed a ton of crystal balls on, on 247 Sports for some really big names in the recruiting game. And so we'll kind of start the focus of that. There's obviously some big recruiting news uh, on Monday night that we will get to as well. But starting off with some of the crystal balls and starting with some of the, the bigger names on the list, 
Um, one of the biggest, I would say, Brandon Innes, the five-star wide receiver, the number one wide receiver in the country, number 10 overall in the 247 Sports Composite. Uh, the majority of his crystal balls are still for Oklahoma and USC, but the most recent of all of them was by Steve Wilfong, and it was in favor of Ohio State. That came in on May 3rd. Um, as you probably are well aware of by now, this is a kid that was originally committed to Oklahoma. He decommitted after Lincoln Riley left, and I think everyone just kind of assumed he would follow Riley to USC. But it does appear now that uh, Ohio State is very much in the mix for Brandon Innes' services, as well as a host of other wide receivers, some of which we will get to in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when, when Wilt Fong speaks, we listen, right? So that was a big crystal ball. It's the most recent one. I think his last was in March, if I'm not mistaken. So clearly something going on, some good momentum in favor of Ohio State. Um, you know, Brandon Innes would just add to the the room of riches in the room of talent that Brian Hartline has developed and brought in in Ohio State but the thing that I like about Ennis is if you look at the rest of this 2023 class and some of the other guys that they're in on which I know we'll get to um, but they have one Rogers in the fold right they've got Bryson Rogers 6'2 about uh, 180 Noah Rogers got another crystal ball. We'll talk about him in a little bit. 6'2", 180. Carnell Tate, 6'2", 180. So you've got all of these kind of taller, not quite bigger guys yet. They're not in that Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, 215, 220 range. But those bigger kind of down the field wide receivers. And Ennis is listed at six foot 180, I think. He's a little bit more of a... I would say a playmaker with the ball in his hand. So it would just add some variety to what they've got coming in. And if you just look at the situation, you know, he plays with a few or is at least familiar with a few other 2023 commits so far. He's teammates with another guy that we're going to talk about, uh, play seven on seven, I believe with Cedric Hawkins an Ohio state commit. So there's some familiarity there and I'm surprised we don't hear about it more but it seems like there's this trend where these guys from the same high school team want to go and play together. Obviously they want to win. They want to be in the best position, but Ohio state seems like it has developed a a different plan of attack where they're going after different guys that play at the same school to maybe form that camaraderie or establish some sort of camaraderie to get these guys a sort of a package deal. So Ennis is, you know, at the top of the list, but even if they were to get a teammate or two of his, Again, just bring in some guys who are familiar with each other. I think they would all be big, big gets, really, um, as Ohio State moves forward in this cycle. And, you know, the draft situation helped. The current wide receiver situation helped. So a lot of good things going in the direction of Ohio State right now. Yeah, for sure. And we know that Ohio State generally does pretty well for themselves in the state of Florida. I think that's especially so in this 2023 class with some of the momentum they have in that state. Thanks, you know, guys like Tony Alford, who does a lot in the state of Florida, guys like Brian Hartline, who, like you said, has some of this this couple drafts now uh, of putting these guys into the league and, and what Ohio State is doing at wide receiver. We're going to get more on that in a little bit. As you said, there is another wide receiver crystal ball. So I wanted to bring up the, the larger point on that later on. But 
Looking at Innes specifically, you know, you talk about how he's six foot, but he does he, he does play a little different than that. You know, the, in some of his scouting, I read Andrew Ivan's scouting report on him on 247 Sports. He said he's one of the more college-ready wideouts in the high school ranks that he's seen in recent years. He, he plays bigger than what his six-foot frame says on paper. He embraces the role of blocking, which obviously Ohio State loves to see from his wide receivers. He also had a story in there about how a, a Power 5 assistant coach mistook him for a high school senior when, when he was an eighth grader because of just how polished he is as a wide receiver. So clearly would be a big get as one of the nation's top wideouts. He does have an official visit set for Ohio State on June 17th. And like you brought up, he plays at American Heritage, which is a school that Ohio State is recruiting pretty hard. It's the same high school as OSU running back commit Mark Fletcher. The same high school as another guy we're going to talk about later on. But yeah, just a good job for Ohio State overall on this one. It seems like they're doing a really good job to kind of pull him away from uh, from Lincoln Riley. It, you know, all, By all accounts, it was seemingly uh, you know set in stone that he would wind up at USC with Riley in the end. But now it does look like Ohio State has a, has a very legitimate chance of landing Innis alongside some of these other, you know, this extreme crop of talent uh, at wide receiver. I think Ohio State's looking to bring in about three or four guys at the position in this class, and Brandon Innis would obviously be the, the crown jewel of that selection if the what comes in as the number one wide receiver this year. Yeah, and there, there's clearly a lot of time left for these guys to sort of change their minds and commit elsewhere. You could say this for any of the 2023 recruits, but... I, I think this coming season will will dictate a lot. I think it'll really matter specifically in Brandon Innes's case because clearly there's an interest in USC there. They've been down for a number of years, but they went out and they got Lincoln Riley. They got Caleb Williams to play quarterback. So I, I do wonder if USC makes a jump nationally speaking. Um, and, and I'm not talking profile, but just you know level is level of success. I wonder if they have a 10, 11, 12 win season, if that will, you know, kind of start to reel Innis in, or I wonder if he's truly 50-50 right now. Only he knows, but I, I wonder that myself, you know, will USC's success matter all that much to him, or is it just program fit coaches and things of that nature? Yeah, and I obviously don't think it would take a ton for USC to make a jump in the Pac-12. It's not exactly the world's strongest conference at this point in time. But yeah, we kind of forget at the end of the day, especially with these 2023 guys, that there is you know a college football season to be played and a lot of games to be played before a lot of these guys even make their decisions. You know, There are some guys who will make their decisions this summer, but there's also guys that are going to wait to see how some of this, you know, the 2022 college football season plays out. So they have a lot of time before things happen. So none of this is set in stone. Um, however, the next guy that we're going to talk about here, I think of the guys we're going to talk about today, if I was going to put a lock on any of these guys, it would be this guy. And I'm talking about the linebacker from Louisiana, Tackett Curtis. Uh, both of his uh, crystal balls are currently in favor of Ohio State with Wilt Fong's coming in March and uh, Bill Curlick's coming on May 3rd. Uh, a rare Louisiana prospect that Ohio State's in on, but that's almost exclusively thanks to Jim Knowles. Uh, Tackett Curtis was his guy when he was at Oklahoma State. He brought that interest with him to Ohio State. He's a four-star linebacker, number six linebacker in the country, number fifty-six overall player in the in the composite rankings. Listed at six foot two, two eighteen. Uh, a lot of momentum in Ohio State's favor. I, I think it's been very clear that since Knowles got to Ohio State, this has been his his guy. You know, his number one target on the board for his defense. A guy that's you know specializes in the linebackers, even though he is the the full-on defensive coordinator. Um, he seems to be Ohio State's top target at linebacker. And I, you know, I would be a little surprised if they didn't land him at this point. But there is a lot of time to go. But I. I, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty certain Tack Curtis is very, very interested in Ohio State. Jim Knowles has been relentless in his pursuit of this guy. Um, you know, 
it seems like he needs to land Curtis like he needs air in his lungs, right? But um, Jim Knowles has been hot on his trail since he was at Oklahoma State. So there's that prior relationship they've clearly kept in contact over a period of time. And he, he clearly sees this guy as the potential quarterback of his defense, right? And as a linebacker guy, that's what you want. That's what you need. And when you watch his tape, Tackett Curtis can do a lot of different things. He seems like an every down linebacker, a guy who does not need to come off the field in certain packages or certain situations. And, you know, looking back over the past couple of seasons, I think that that's something that Ohio State really needs. They've had linebackers who are much better against the run, but they struggle in coverage or they have these you know, great athletes who excel in coverage to, you know, the extent that they've been coached, but they're not as great in run support. Tackett Curtis seems like a guy who can do all of that. So I, I go back to quarterback on the defense. You've got some of those in the secondary as well. Jim Knowles has Tanner McAllister as probably one of his guys this year. But from the linebacker position, I think that's a very important get to have a guy there in the middle that can sort of direct traffic gumming up in the run game, cover a tight end, a guy under the, uh, you know, underneath in the slot, something like that. So good athlete, uh, really good linebacker. And, and I'm with you. I would be surprised if Tackett Curtis is not committed to be a Buckeye by this time next year. Yeah. And it's been kind of a while in Columbus since we've had a, a really an elite linebacker, or re- at least elite linebacker play. You know, you really think back to the days of Raekwon McMillan and Darren Lee not too long ago, but you know, the past few years, the linebacker room has obviously not been Ohio State's strength by any means. We're hoping that, you know, someone maybe like a CJ Hicks that's coming in now could potentially change and stem that tide a little bit. And of course, having someone like Jim Knowles, who, you know, specializes in the linebacker room will help out that position as well. But, you know, adding a guy like Tackett Curtis would certainly help in that regard as well. Um, it seems like Ohio State is primarily recruiting him as a Mike. And like you said, you know, Knowles has just been relentless in his pursuit of Curtis. He's visited him three times this year alone, including earlier this month. Um, Curtis himself was previously in Columbus this March. Uh, and, and as of this time, his, his his last official visit on his list is Ohio State on June 24th. Um, I believe he still has two or three you know, that he's allowed to take. But as of this moment, and by all accounts, I think Ohio State will wind up being his final official visit. And so you always like to see that for you know a recruit that maybe has you know he is this guy who could play pretty much anywhere and so having Ohio State as your last visit kind of the last thing on your mind before you potentially make your decision is is, is going to be huge and I think you know we're both pretty pretty you know con- pretty convinced that if you you know if Jim Knowles is going this hard after a guy and he's making it but you know this is his guy I think that Ohio State should should wind up with him in this class when everything is said and done even though like we said it's at the end of the day these are high school kids nothing is set in stone there's a lot of time but I, I feel pretty good about this one. I do too. And, uh, you know, previously I was really high on uh, the Bulls kid out of Georgia, Todd Bowles, son, the NFL coach, and he's been crystal balled to Georgia. He was kind of my target, you know, if, if I had one, but Tackett Curtis is no consolation prize. He's a really, really good linebacker. And I, and I do hope that they're able to land him. Yeah. I, I think Bowles was too, maybe a, a product of maybe the previous regime. I think that before Ohio State mm-hmm. made a lot of these coaching changes, they were very high on him. And maybe with a few of these changes, you know, things have changed. And while they still, I think they still love to add a guy like Bowles. I don't think that the, maybe the relationship isn't the same with, with the new coaching staff. And I think they've, they're definitely more focused on a guy like Curtis at this point. So we'll see what happens with the, with the linebacker position. Still a lot of time to go. And I'm sure more names will pop up as we go but Curtis at the top of that list at this current moment uh continuing on here with with another wide receiver we alluded to him before Noah Rogers 
Uh, Steve Wilfong CB'd him to Ohio State at the end of April. Since then, he's gotten three more crystal balls for Ohio State, all coming on May 9th, including Bill Kerlick. Um, his only other crystal ball on his list is to NC State, and that was from all the way in last July. He is a North Carolina kid. He's a four-star wide receiver, the number 11 wide out in the country, number 59 overall player in the composite, listed at six foot two, 180. Um, there's reports that he could potentially commit sometime this month. As of right now, Ohio State is the clear favorite, um, which is kind of crazy because he was only offered by Ohio State in January, but he did visit for the spring game. And so we know what, what Brian Harline is able to do with these guys. I'm sure Noah Rogers watched the draft and a lot of that's weighing on his mind as well. So potentially, you know, if, if, as of, out of all these wide receivers that we've seen, you know, with links to Ohio State, it seems like Rogers could potentially be the first guy off the board and the first guy officially inked to join uh, the only other wide receiver in Ohio State's class right now, uh, whose name I'm blanking on, but his last name is also Rogers. So I'm, uh, that's going to be fun. But they're spelled differently. This is no, no yep. Rogers with an O-R-G-E and O-R-G-E. D G E R in terms of uh, Bryson Rogers, who is the current Ohio State commit. Yeah, I like Noah a lot. He is a uh, tall wide out with track speed. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not necessarily a kind of shifty underneath guy, but he can go downfield, make some big plays more in that. Again, that Marvin Harrison Jr. Kind of build, but obviously Harrison Jr. has added, gosh, it seems like 20, 30 pounds since he came to Ohio State. And if I'm not mistaken, he had 22 touchdowns as a junior. I think that I read that correctly. Um, just insane numbers, great production. And, you know, bring it on. Let, let's get the Rodgers game going. A couple of tall, lanky wide receivers who can come in under Brian Hartline, develop for a year or something like that with all the other talent in the room. But you said it. He's the number 11 ranked wide receiver. So uh, really high profile in this class. And I, I do wonder, though, if he were to commit soon. And I'm kind of going off off script here, Gene. But do you think if they get two wide receivers in the fold, that it'll, it'll have like a domino effect? Do you think that puts any pressure? Probably not on Brandon Innes, but maybe like a Carnell Tate. Or they've got the kid out of, uh, I think, California, whose name is escaping me right now. Ohio State probably wants three or four of these guys. I don't know that they're looking to add a fifth or anything like that, because that's just in a recruiting class with the transfer rules and the NIL and all that good stuff. I, I don't know how well that would work out to bring in five or more guys in a class at one position. But do you think that if another wide receiver were to commit anytime soon, that it might put some pressure on the other guys? Yeah, I kind of had this written down as well. You know, like we said, Bryson Rogers is the only current committed wide receiver, a three-star guy. Uh, Noah Rogers seems like he could potentially be the second, not not you know not set in stone or anything as well. But if he does become the second, then you're looking at a group of of remaining guys Ohio State is in on in Brandon Innes, Carnell Tate, and Rico Flores. Um, you have to like their chances to land some combination of of those three guys. And like you, like we both said, you know, they're looking for three or four. They're probably not going to bring in five, especially with how many wide receivers they already have in Columbus. So I wouldn't be surprised, um, if, if that changes things a little bit, I don't think it does though. I think that, you know, Ohio state is clearly, you know, they're very focused on guys like Innes and Tate. I think they're their top two guys on the board. I don't think Rogers would change that for them. It might change something for a guy like a Rico Flores, maybe who is maybe, you know, he's obviously interested in Ohio state, but I think that Ohio state's interests are maybe more on the, the other two very highly rated guys that they've been recruiting all this time. So I'll be interested to see Great name though. I mean, Rico Flores is a hell of a name. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think all of these guys are very talented, and I don't think Ohio State would be upset with you know any combination of the three, even if they don't wind up landing Innis or Tate, if they wind up with Flores and another you know four or five-star wide receiver down the road, because that's just what Brian Hartline does. He's a wizard with these kind of things. Um, I, I don't think they'd be upset. And, and especially with a guy like Brian Hartline, who I fully trust in kind of his talent evaluation, if he calls in, like, you know, the fact that Bryson Rodgers is already committed as a three-star, you know, makes me very high on him. I, I think it could be a situation like a Kion Gray's where he's a guy who rises up the rankings as more and more people discover the kind of talent mm-hmm. he is. Because I don't think, you know, if, if there is a set cap on the amount of guys you're looking to bring in, I don't think they would add a three-star talent like Bryson Rodgers to this class if they weren't fully, you know, if they weren't, if they didn't believe in the fact that he could be a player at Ohio State and could make an impact later on. So, you know, obviously we, we trust Brian Hartline's decisions, and if they do bring in the two Rodgers to start this class, I think they have their full trust in them to be very good wide receivers at the next level, and then whoever else comes in after that, I don't think it's going to necessarily impact that, but I do think it's going to, you know, it's going to just shrink the number of available spots at that position. Yeah, I, I no disagreement here. I think that four is the magic number. Uh, you know, if they were to settle at three or whatever it ends up being, I think that they're going to be happy with this haul one way or another because you know they're not done. Yeah, absolutely. And then moving on to the other side of the ball again, kind of flip-flop here, offense, defense, offense, defense, unintentionally. Uh, then another guy that not really a ton of, of talk about him when it comes to Ohio State recruiting is defensive lineman John Walker. Um, his only crystal ball in for him right now is in favor of Ohio State. It came on the first of this month from Bill Kerlick, uh, this, this this month being May. Uh, he's a four-star defensive lineman, the number 13 defensive lineman in the class, number 95 overall prospect in the 2023 class. Listed at six foot three, 310 pounds, another Florida guy. Um, primarily a, a three-tech sort of player, but he's got good athleticism, can play multiple positions across the D-line, can play in either a 4-3 or a 3-4 scheme. Uh, he's been scouted as a better athlete than his size projects, and he brings some you know, power quickness as well as scheme versatility to, to his game. He was offered by Ohio State all the way back in 2020. Uh, he visited in last June. But, you know, this is a guy that we haven't really heard a ton about. And, you know, if Curlick's giving him a crystal ball, you know, Curlick's pretty pretty in-depth with what Ohio State's doing in recruiting. So I'm sure that, you know, guys like Larry Johnson are certainly in his ear. And with this being another Florida talent with Ohio State doing so much in that state, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting to see kind of a, a name that you're not even hearing a bunch pop up and another a Florida guy with a crystal ball to Ohio State. And Ohio State does this, right? They They end up with these top 100 guys who maybe they don't have the highest profile for whatever reason. But then they commit, you do some film study, and you're like, damn, this kid's pretty good. You know, number uh, 95 ranked player in the country right now. The thing with Walker, um, he's big, man. He's listed at 6'3", 310. Like you said, great athlete for his size. And this would be a really big get, literally and figuratively, because right now on the defensive line, Ohio State only has local local legacy, goodness, Will Smith Jr. in the fold out of Dublin. He's a three-star kid. Um, No edge commitments right now and and nobody above a three-star. So if they were to go out and get John Walker, granted he doesn't play outside, but, uh, you know, a a Tyleek Williams type, big, nasty athlete in the middle would really pay dividends. And so I'm with you. I have not heard a ton about this kid. I tried to read up on him some today. But, you know, just seems like a really good player. And again, this would start to build the momentum at a position. I think they would have Will Smith Jr. in the fold, potentially John Walker, and then they can fill out the edges quite literally. So while Ohio State fans may not have heard a bunch about this guy, the pedigree is there. 
the game film, all that good stuff, it's there. He's a good ball player. So it, it would be another big get for this program. Yeah, for sure. And you can never count out Larry Johnson in the recruiting game with what he's done, both, you know, in, in talent development, in, in putting guys into the league. I think a lot of defensive linemen would want to play for him. John Walker might be, you know, one of those guys. Uh, interestingly enough, he has an official visit to Ohio State set for June 24th, the same day as Tackett Curtis. Um, I have a feeling that's going to be a big recruiting weekend for Ohio State, as many of the weekends in June probably will be. You're going to see a lot of these big big, you know, group visits come in. Ohio State likes to do that kind of thing, get the camaraderie going with some of the guys that they want in this class, as well as guys that they already have committed. You're going to have, you know, the, the peer recruiting guys, guys like Luke Montgomery on campus who are, you know, lives kind of locally and can get to campus and get in these guys' ears. So I, I think that, you know, in the month of June, especially, you're going to see a lot of these names from different states coming in, taking their visits with Ohio State, some officials, and, and really getting the ball rolling in this 2023 class. Because like you said, you know, there aren't any edge defenders yet in this year's class and John Walker certainly isn't that guy but you know we saw what they've done the past few classes at at defensive end so I don't think they're you know they're not looking to bring in four guys at defensive end in this class probably but you know you you can never have enough guys along the defensive line you see how much depth is important getting those guys rotating in and out like Ohio State likes to do so if they are able to add Walker up the middle I I think he could be you know it it could be a similar thing to uh, when they brought in Tyleek Williams who was kind of you know this unheralded you know he was a high high recruit kind of like John Walker is but it wasn't a guy you heard a ton about before he committed to Ohio State, and then he comes in and puts together that really good freshman season, even in limited snaps. So if he could come in and give that same kind of production, I think the Ohio State would certainly take it. For whatever reason, it just seems like the defensive ends always have a, ho- a higher profile, but these defensive tackles, these interior guys are, are just as, if not more important and more disruptive. So, um, And also, I don't want to play spoiler, but you mentioned the June 24th weekend. That is going to be a huge weekend. You mentioned Walker's coming in. Tackett Curtis is coming in. They've got a uh, like the Georgia Syndicate coming in with Justice Haynes, Caleb Downs, Raul Aguere, I want to say, the linebacker, and Darren Reed, who is another guy that I think we talked about previously. He does have a crystal ball in for Ohio State. So, again, that, that sort of group think bringing in guys from the same area, that's going to be a big weekend for those Georgia kids and a couple other guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these players coming from their same, same high school team, same seven on seven teams, like you said before. So Ohio State likes to, to keep these, keep these guys, you know, kind of the brotherhood, keep that alive and get these guys going. Um, and in terms of that, you know, another guy, the, the last guy on my list here that has an Ohio State crystal ball in the last few weeks, um, is none other than safety Damon Fagan, who plays also at American Heritage, the same school as both Brandon Innes and Mark Fletcher. Um, he is a four-star safety, the number 277 player in the country, number 26 overall, a four-star athlete listed at six foot two, 180. And, you know, Ohio State obviously wants to bring in a bunch of safeties because of the way that Jim Knowles plays his defense. Uh, Perry Eliano is listed as uh, Fagan's number one recruiter. And so just another name in this this long list of Florida recruits with with seeming interest in Ohio State. He was just on campus uh, earlier this April. And so this is going to be another name moving forward in that defensive backfield as Ohio State looks to kind of rebuild. I wouldn't say rebuild, but like kind of new, bring a fresh approach to that safety room and bring in guys that are kind of exactly what uh, Knowles is looking for at his three different safety positions. And this is a guy that Perry Eliano was recruiting at Cincinnati. So they have a prior relationship. He's been after him for a while. Another guy who, maybe not the highest profile, he is listed as a four-star recruit, but he's actually banged up a little bit as a junior. Uh, I was looking back in his sophomore season, he had four picks for American Heritage. So 6'2", 190, I believe, kind of a a taller, rangy safety. 
um, athletic guy. So, and he also plays seven on seven with Cedric Hawkins. So another guy that he knows from the state of Florida, you know, Hawkins has probably had nothing but the, the best things to say about Ohio state, which I'm sure has piqued um, Fagan's interest just a little bit. And that American heritage pipeline, goodness. I mean, it seems like they want to go and recruit every single kid that has a D1 offer out of that school. And it's really not a bad idea if you're, add, if you're able to add in Fagan, Ennis, Fletcher, you know, any number of those guys or maybe two or all three of them. Um, it would further establish sort of your, your already strong foothold in that state and specifically at this school, which is they turn them out. Yeah. Is, is American Heritage like losing any a single game at the high school level? Like I don't <laughs> all of their players are like the tops in their positions four five star minimums. Like what is what is going on at American Heritage that I'm not aware of? Is this like just like the newest football? I mean, I'm sure this has been a school that's done well in the past, but I don't remember Ohio State like pursuing a school like one particular school other than like, you know, the IMG academies of the world. That's a little bit different. But, you know, American Heritage is seemingly Ohio State's main focus in this recruiting class. And it seems like a pretty good idea based on the, the caliber of player that is coming out of there right now. There are some similarities, though. They um, St. Thomas Aquinas was a school in Florida where the Bosa brothers came from. I think, uh, gosh, going back a little bit, I think Nate Sally was from that school. So they've done this before. I guess American Heritage is just the the new version or the new iteration of kind of a, a pipeline into one of those Florida schools. Yeah, I mean, you know, if Ohio, like you said, if Ohio State lands a couple of these guys from the school, they'll certainly be very happy with the level of talent they're getting. But it is, you know, it's been not a ton has happened in terms of commitments. We will get to the the big one, obviously, in a few seconds here. But uh, a lot of movement on the recruiting trail for Ohio State as we we get into the summer months here. A lot of big names starting to hear, you know, them them in relation to Ohio State. We're seeing a lot of you know big names put Ohio State within their top schools list here and there. So. I don't think, you know, the NFL draft wasn't wasn't great for Ohio State's defense, but I think overall uh, players are still very, you know, interested in what Ohio State has to offer in terms of development, especially at these positions um, that we've seen, you know, do so well, especially, you know, uh, you know, wide receiver notwithstanding. We know what's going on there. Quarterback, same thing. But, you know, even on defense, I think, you know, recruits are talking to these new coaches that Ohio State has brought in, seeing what they've done in the past at their other schools. You know, you look at a guy like Perry Eliano, you know, with Sauce Gardner going in the top 10 pick. Um, and, and so these guys have proven track records of getting guys to the league and and putting you know your best foot on the field getting these guys the most out of them unlike what i think that you know some previous ohio state defensive coaches were getting out of their players you look at a guy you know like like a Pete werner for example Pete werner is doing great in the nfl and he was solid at ohio state but i don't think they got the most out of him i don't think that you know if if p warner was playing under jim Knowles' system i think he could have had a much better career at ohio state and maybe been an upper echelon draft pick so i i think that you know Players are, are looking at this coaching staff, looking at what Ohio State has done overall, and I think that it's all adding up to what should be, you know, another really, really solid recruiting class for Ohio State in 2023. And it isn't, you know, it's not a big class right now, but I think there's a lot of room to add a, a significant amount of really top-tier talent as we move forward in these next couple months. Yeah, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I, I would say there's a newfound, or, or maybe you just call it a different interest with this uh, new coaching staff. I, I think guys see that the offense has continued to kind of chug along and Ohio State has not dropped off in the least bit. And so I think there's just this this excitement about the new coaching staff. They saw Ohio State struggle for a couple of seasons, but stay competitive despite those struggles. And so I think they look at an opportunity to, to come in compete for a national title, but maybe even more importantly, compete for playing time early because there's been so much turnover. 
some of these veterans, for whatever reason, didn't reach their ceiling at Ohio State. Now the new blood is coming in. There's a new talent infusion. And I think guys want to be a part of that. So Ohio State's defense, you know, from a recruiting perspective, never really fell off, but the production never met the profile. I think guys see that it's going to be closer. You know, the uh, the five stars are going to come in and hopefully play like five stars. They're going to get the most out of their four stars, so on and so forth with these new coaches. So just a ton of excitement. And you have to give credit to Jim Knowles, Perry Eliano, Tim Walton, guys like that, because they've done a really good job. And you and I talked about it. We, we weren't sure what the recruiting was going to look like. These guys all came from smaller schools, but it doesn't look like Ohio State has skipped a beat at all. Yeah, and Josh, you talk about, you know, Ohio State kind of staying competitive despite the the lack of, you know, high production on the defensive end of, of the field. And I think a large part of that has been the play of, of the quarterbacks at Ohio State. And, you know, continuing that lineage, it looks like Ryan Day is going to continue bringing the best possible talent at that quarterback position. As on Monday, the big news of the week that we, you know, kind of stalled on it and saved till the end here um, was the, the commitment of five-star quarterback Dylan Rayola. Uh, he's a five-star in the 2024 class, the number three quarterback and the number eight overall player in the composite, the number one overall player in 247 Sports' own rankings coming out of Arizona. Just a massive get for Ohio State as their first commitment in the 2024 class. Um, this is a kid who threw for over 3,400 yards with 42 touchdowns and just five picks as a sophomore. Uh, he plays for Chandler High School, the, the same as uh, OSU freshman Kion Grays did. Um, his father, Dominic Rayola, was an NFL center for the Lions for 14 years. And Josh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but his former high school uh, coach before he transferred was Bengals legend quarterback John Kitna. No, I was not aware of that. The Kitna. That well then I mean this kid's gonna be a legend. There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The the former former Bengals, former few other teams quarterback was the, the high school coach at his former school before he transferred to Chandler. But yeah, he's got you know, he's got some uh, NFL talent around him. He's a he's a kid that's very highly regarded. He's already off to doing some peer recruiting of his own. I saw him last night, you know, tweeting the, the nut emoji to multiple targets with OSU in their top schools. And I think Ohio State overall has done a great job of finding those type of guys early you know you look at Jack Sawyer in 2021 CJ Hicks in 22 and then Luke Montgomery in 23 a lot of these guys they bring in early do great peer recruiting for them but just as a as a prospect himself Dylan Royola uh, as as a quarterback just another line in this lineage that Ryan Day and, and Corey Dennis have brought to Ohio State a, a completely you know a huge start to their 2024 class huge start and a huge quarterback you know he's uh I assume 16 17 years old he's only going into his junior year already listed at 6'3", 225. And I've been watching some tape over the last couple of weeks, some of his YouTube clips and things like that. And the the one thing that really jumped out to me is for a guy his size, I know he's not a runner, but he seems very elusive in the pocket. He can evade the rush, um, very creative with sort of different arm angles and throws. I know that people will throw out these comps of like a Matt Stafford or a Pat Mahomes or anything like that. I'm not going there. But he can do some things. And as I watched him more and more, I was like, okay, he's, he's great in the pocket. And I, I didn't really know what his arm strength level was until I, I was watching a clip. I just saw him drop back, no pressure, like 50, 60 yards on a dime down the field. So seemed like seems like this guy can make all the throws. He's the number one quarterback in 247's ranking. So you want to talk about big gets. I mean, if you're going to start your 2024 class, 
this is the way to do it. You mentioned that he can be a peer recruiter, like the three guys that you mentioned. They're getting him, they're getting his commitment very early, which uh, I want to talk about the kind of timing of it after the fact, after you kind of wrap up. But um, six five-star quarterback commitments for Ryan Day over the last five seasons. I mean, it's just insane what he continues to do. And I know we're going to talk about why we think he's able to do it, but Raiola has all the makings of the next, you know, Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, guys like that. I know it's very early to put that on him, but he seems like an ideal quarterback. And I love what I saw on tape. So really excited to get this guy in the fold. Yeah, and and you brought up, you know, since Ryan Day took over, Ohio State has landed six top 50 overall players at the quarterback position. Um, three of them were composite five stars in Queen Ewers, uh, McCord, and Ray, now Rayola. Uh, Justin Fields in the transfer portal was a former five star, so not a recruiting win, but another big get for Ryan Day. Uh, C.J. Stroud was the number two quarterback and the number 42 player overall in his class, and he was a five star on some sites. And then most recently, he brought in Devin Brown, who is the number six quarterback and the number 43 overall player in 2022. So a very significant run of quarterbacks at Ohio State. Hopefully, Rayola could be the next guy. And like you said, you don't want to put too much on his shoulders as a kid who's you know not even going to be on campus for a couple of years, let alone you know playing for Ohio State for quite a while. But you know it, he has all the intangibles. He looks really good out there. It's another kid on this list, and you hope that he you know even if he you know if he's somewhere in the middle of all those guys that we just mentioned, he'll be a be a pretty good prospect. So hats off to Ryan Day for another win on the recruiting trail. I think Corey Dennis does deserve um, some love in this as well. You know it Hell seems yeah. like for you know he gets passed over because Ryan Day is clearly the quarterback guy, but you know all this recruiting doesn't happen probably without his help as well so that that tag team duo added again landing another five-star quarterback and you know hopefully this this procession of talent at that position the most important position on the field especially in college football hopefully we see that continue for many many years because you know for right now under Ryan Day it's gone pretty darn well you called him a tag team and I think that's a great term I think that Corey Dennis is essential to what Ohio State has done you know Ryan Day as the head coach and the quarterback guru gets all of this praise, rightfully so, but Corey Dennis has become a bit of a quarterback whisperer himself. So you're right. He deserves a ton of credit along with Ryan Day for this get. And I mentioned timing. I did want to bring this up before we move on to your bigger point, but this is a 2024 commitment. So A, are you at all like concerned or are you refusing to get your hopes up because we live in this NIL universe and the transfer portal and things like that, you know, are you concerned that there is still so much time before he were to, you know, eventually come to Columbus? And then also, do you think that this buys Ohio State some breathing room, uh, specifically in the 2023 class? I know Ryan Day has mentioned that he wants to bring in a quarterback every single year, and, and I'm sure that there will be a 2023 quarterback mentioned at some point, and if they can get the number one quarterback like Dante Moore or somebody like that, I'm sure they'll take him. But do you think that they can kind of, um, you know, just kind of ease through the 2023 class, see what kind of ends up on their doorstep because they know that they have 
this this elite talent coming in in 2024. So I know I hit you with two different things, but what's just your your general thought on those? Yeah. So in regards to your first question, you know, I, I think the main concern with him, you know, staying committed to Ohio State would be if there were some other kind of bigger school in his in his region that I'd be worried about. But you know, he is from Arizona. You know, both Arizona and Arizona State aren't particularly good football programs at this current time. So I'm not really super worried about him. You know, him. Jumping out of this, it seems like he's very, very into being at Ohio State. He's visited a couple of times. He's, you know, made it his mission already to, you know, he's he's put out a bunch of graphics of him in an Ohio State jersey and all that stuff. He seems very excited to play for the Buckeyes. And you know, with the way Ohio State's offense is moving right now, I don't see why you wouldn't want to be there as a quarterback. Like he's, he kind of talked about after his commitment, you know, all of the talent that gets put around you when you're the quarterback at Ohio State with all the wide receivers and running backs and offensive linemen that. Ohio State has been landing. It really just puts you in the best position to succeed as a quarterback. So I think he's very, very locked in there. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, you know, super concerned about him jumping ship just because he's a 2024 guy. And then in terms of your other question of about, you know, just uh, I completely, I lost track of my thought there. What was your second like question? Like the 2023 again? class, and maybe skipping over that. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it, it's you just kind of look at the guys that are are on the roster right now. You know, C.J. Stroud is going to be the starter this year, and then he's likely going to be off as a as a first round NFL draft pick at the end of this season. And then you're looking at both Kyle McCord and Devin Brown battling for the job next year. And so I don't really think it's necessary that Ohio State brings in a 2023 quarterback. And if they do, I don't think it's going to be you know a, a five star, you know, top two, top three talent at the position. I, I think that you know whoever is, those types of guys are going to want to play right away or at least play within a, a year or two. And we're looking at, you know, Ohio State's system right now. I think kind of the every other year for a quarterback makes a bit more sense just so you don't have everyone transferring out. You know, we saw what happened with, with Quinn Ewers not, you know, get, potentially getting a plant, chance to play as early as he wanted with the talent in Ohio State's quarterback room. I think that would be kind of the same deal if Ohio State brought in, you know, another quarterback right now. So I don't think it's super necessary they bring in a guy in 2023. I think that having, you know, the 2024 five-star makes more sense. You get him on campus, you're looking at, you know, the one either Brown or McCord going into either year two or year three and, and kind of the, the easy transition there from them to Rayola after that makes a lot of sense. So I'm not really... I'm not worried about him jumping ship. I'm not worried about really the timeline of, of the quarterbacks. I think that the way that the recruiting is going at the position right now, I think is, is totally fine for Ohio State. I, I'm going to be like super optimist here. You know, on paper and in theory, Ohio State could have their starting quarterback, a five-star talent for the next four seasons. You look at C.J. Stroud, then maybe it's Kyle McCord, then it's Devin Brown after that, and then it's uh, Dylan Rayola. So, a lot to be sorted out and we're talking about years in the future, but I mean, damn, Ohio state is set up just about, if not better than any other school in the country. And I know that's because of the track record and the last thing that you wanted to kind of touch on. Yeah. And I, and I don't think it's, it's out of the realm of, of to like to say that, you know, Ohio state is recruiting quarterbacks right now better than any other school in the country. And I, I think a large reason for that, and we know the stigma around Ohio state quarterbacks going into the NFL and, and not quite panning out, but I think that, you know, the Ryan day era is going to change that thought process. And I think what he's been able to do both in acquiring talent, you know, developing talent and then earning that talent a payday. We starting with Justin Fields, um, 
I think really is changing the way people think about the quarterback position at Ohio State. And I think it all started with with Dwayne Haskins in 2018 when Day was still the quarterback's mm-hmm. coach. You know, it was really the first time Ohio State transitioned to a more NFL style of quarterback. And as we've seen Ryan Day take over fully, Ohio State's really transitioned into a more NFL style of offense entirely. And so you had, you know, you went from quarterbacks like JT Barrett's and Braxton Miller's that were more that dual threat sort of guy, and you moved to the Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, and CJ Strouds of the world who, you know, couldn't move when you wanted them to. I think Justin Fields obviously more closer to the dual threat guy. I wouldn't call him a dual threat quarterback, but obviously he could do a lot of damage with his legs than the other two guys. But you know, primarily these guys are asked to, to you know stand back there in the pocket and make plays, and that's what they've done, and that's what you know quarterbacks at the next level are asked to do. You don't see a, a ton of Lamar Jacksons at the next level, and that's because the Ravens had to really you know change their entire offensive system to fit him in there. And I think you know it would it would probably benefit more teams to do that and build around their best players and build to their skill sets. But I don't think a lot of teams want to do that with their offense. They want the safe pick, especially a quarterback. They want a guy they know that could stand back there and make plays with his arm, and, and you know only really make plays with his legs when he's we desperately has to so I think with this new system at Ohio State, I think we're really going to start to see it pay off into in somewhat of a, an NFL pipeline. And I think that, you know, I don't know. I, I really hope Justin Fields' career pans out. I, I, if anything, it's going to be the Bears' fault that it doesn't. I don't think, you know, Justin Fields is too good to fail by himself. But if he's got nothing around him, it's going to make his life incredibly difficult. But, you know, if you see a guy like Fields and then Stroud and then whoever comes out after him, you know, I, I think it's going to really start to set in motion this idea of, of a quarterback pipeline at Ohio State. And it's going to be... You know, it's tough to break that stigma that Ohio State's had for so long because of the way their offense was run. It was more of a ground and pound, dual threat quarterback kind of system. And so, you know, those types of guys didn't didn't make it in the league at, at the quarterback position. But now with the way Ohio State's throwing the ball around with all the wide receiver talent they have, I think it's just going to get more and more enticing for quarterbacks to want to play at Ohio State under Ryan Day. I wholeheartedly agree. And um, you mentioned the stigma I think it's already been broken by Ryan Day, to be completely honest, because you go back and you look at Dwayne Haskins and Justin Fields thus far. It's like, look, if you want to make money in the NFL as a quarterback, you've got a pretty good chance if you go and you play for Ryan Day at Ohio State. Um, Dwayne Haskins, early pick, Justin Fields, early pick. CJ Stroud is projected right now to be like the potentially the first player off the board in the 2023 draft. And that is because of the offense. It is because of all the schemes and and, and the kind of different things that Ryan day does and that he deploys. And um, I, I also think that the stigma kind of no longer exists because how do I want to say this? There really isn't a quarterback factory. I think the only one that you could maybe look at right now is in Ohio State and maybe, maybe in Alabama over the last couple of seasons. But I look at the 2022 draft, the first quarterbacks off the board. You had one from Pitt, one from Liberty. You had, uh, you know, Sam Howell was in the mix, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Like, you don't see a lot of schools that year after year potentially put a guy into the league at a high pick. And Ohio State has a great opportunity to do that. If C.J. Stroud were to be drafted highly, then you're looking at three consecutive Ohio State quarterbacks all going in the you know top 5, 10, 15, whatever it ends up being. And you compare that to some of the other schools. I mean, yeah, sure. Alabama has or had Jalen Hurts and Mac Jones. I, I don't even know if a lot of people are sold on Jalen Hurts. And really, he was a dual threat guy. Mac Jones, pure pocket passer. Bryce Young, probably somewhere in the middle you could potentially have three guys from Alabama go early in the first round, but 
you know, even look at Clemson. They had Trevor Lawrence, but DJ uh, has not kind of been everything he was cracked up to be so far. You go further back. I mean, Taj Boyd was a bust, and I'm kind of forgetting some of their other guys. Ohio State has been pretty consistent with Ryan Day involved from Haskins to Fields to Shroud and so on. And so, like I said, it's tough to build that quarterback pipeline into the NFL. But if there's one school that's doing it better than most right now, projecting into the future, it's got to be Ohio State. Yeah, and it is really interesting to look at when you, you think of that kind of thing. You know, schools that produce multiple, you know, high caliber quarterback talent. I mean, you look at some of the stars in the NFL right now. You know, Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. Uh, uh, the, why am I blanking on the Bills quarterback's name? Josh, yeah, Josh Allen. Allen. Josh Allen mm-hmm. of Wyoming. You know, like all these guys go to like kind of random schools and it just sort of works out. It really isn't like, a you know, people love to say that USC was the quarterback school, but when's the last time they produced a real, you know, star NFL caliber quarterback? I think like, I think honestly the school with the most recent success would probably be Clemson just because of, you know, off field issues, notwithstanding Deshaun Watson's success in the league and now also uh, Trevor Lawrence. But um, yeah, uh, to your point, there really isn't a school out there that's producing year after year uh, of elite quarterbacks. I guess maybe like a, you know, I, I, want, I wouldn't really say Oklahoma, even though they've had all the, you know, the Heismans, but, you know, Baker Mayfield hasn't exactly panned out. Kyler Murray's pretty good, but, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's I, fair. That's fair. Yeah, but it, it, is, it isn't really a position where you have, you know, one or two schools that are chucking out all the quarterback prospects. You see these guys coming from all over the country, and it's, it's not like the other positions where, you know, Ohio State's turning out wide receivers and, and Alabama's turning out defensive linemen. And it's just, it doesn't really work like that. And if there was a school, like you're saying, that could do it, it is going to be Ohio State because of the way Ryan Day's offense works, because of all the talent they're putting around these quarterbacks at wide receiver, thanks to a guy like Brian Harline. You know, the offensive line has been solid for a couple of years. The running back room is really deep. So, you know, if you want to be a quarterback in the league, you want to get that, you're going to get the maximum exposure at Ohio State as it is with all their nationally televised games and all their big matchups and all, obviously the, the playoff potential of that team. And just on top of that, that you're you're going to be putting the best chance to succeed. It's it's the opposite of playing for the Chicago Bears, where you know everyone around you is going to be elite, and you're just going to be another cog in the system. It's not like you're going to be a Justin Fields out there being asked to do it all. You're going to be put in the best position to succeed. Your stats are going to look great because of all the players you have around you to help out, and it's just going to make you you know better prepared for the league when you're running an offense that's very similar in style to that. So I do th- I don't think the you know. I disagree that the stigma's been broken already just because we haven't really seen an Ohio State quarterback be elite at the next level. I am hoping Justin Fields becomes that guy, but like I said, I'm not not very um positive about Chicago as an organization. Maybe if he goes elsewhere, he could really shine. But I, I, we're waiting to see that first Ohio State quarterback really become that that elite guy at the next level. And I'm hoping it's Fields, but if not, it could be CJ Stroud and I, I think we're gonna see a pretty good pretty good list here not not too long in the future of Ohio State quarterbacks going to the league and, and succeeding at a high level I agree and I think we have to I think we skipped over Lincoln Riley too you mentioned Oklahoma but just Lincoln Riley as a coach he's had some success but then he's also I mean he's had some failures you look at Spencer Rattler Spencer Rattler was supposed to be you know potentially the number one pick in this draft that just occurred um, got benched. He's since transferred and Lincoln Riley has hitched his wagon to Caleb Williams. So still TBD there, but I think he's another guy you have to mention, but all things considered Ryan day is near or at the top of that list. And um, I, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit, but I do have a lot of optimism for Justin Fields just to kind of go off a little bit. I think that what Chicago has done to him and you can even 
look, Dwayne Haskins, when he was in Washington, he didn't have the greatest supporting staff either. So you got to look at the whole situation. Some would but, argue he had an, oh, an even worse supporting staff because, you know, at least it seems like Chicago wants Justin Fields. It never seemed like Washington wanted Dwayne Haskins. That, that's fair. And that's and it's super unfortunate, among other things. But with Fields, like, gosh, he's got no weapons. Uh, he's got a defensive minded coach now. He was under Matt Nagy for one year who, you know, I, I think his best offensive kind of like uh, period maybe passed him by from when he was in Kansas city. He's back there. Now he may have been a product of Andy Reed when it comes down to it. But I think if Justin Fields gets some weapons, gets some weapons around him, you just look at what he did at Ohio state. And it's like, we've talked about, it was different. He could make every throw. I don't think that that talent has gone anywhere. I believe that he can make every throw at an NFL level, but at Ohio State, he had a million weapons around him, and you don't always get that in the NFL. And then when a quarterback enters you know, a, a tough situation, the smart teams build around that quarterback. Even, gosh, you look at uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Did they overpay for their talent? thousand percent but they went out and they you know gave big money to christian kirk and and they've done some other things so the smart teams build around what they would consider to be their franchise quarterback sorry and um chicago just hasn't done that but there is still opportunity and justin fields is still young so i know i went off on a tirade a little bit but i just i'm going to continue to pound the desk for Justin Fields until he gets a good opportunity. As will I. And I think just at the end of the day, this all becomes sort of a a self-fulfilling prophecy for Ohio State because as, you know, as more and more top-tier talent comes to Ohio State and makes it to the league, more and more, you know, talent that's thinking about college is is looking at that talent and then going to Ohio State. So, you know, as the talent they produce gets better and better, the talent they're bringing in is just going to get better and better. And so I I think the quarterback position is in really good hands under Ryan Day and Corey Dennis as evidenced by the latest commitment of Dylan and Rayola. And um, I think that's really all I got, unless you got anything else here. I think, you know, our, our big recruiting pod this week is is more or less covered at all. No, I don't have much else. Uh, I, I think we've covered a lot. And I think that we, we've covered a lot of good things for Ohio State as a team and as a program. We've talked about the momentum that 2023 class is starting to build. The 2024 class is off to a hell of a start. So you don't want to say it took some time, um, but I think that some people get impatient Ohio State fans specifically, they get impatient at times because, you know, the Rose Bowl ended and Ohio State didn't already have five five stars lined up for this 2023 class. It was always going to take time. Ohio State has one of the top classes moving forward in this cycle um, with months left to go. And and I have the utmost confidence they are going to continue to build on it and end up with one of the best 2023 classes if I had to put money on it. Yeah, you know, even if they just landed a handful of the names that we we talked about today, you know, they're they're, they're they're in pretty good shape. You know, they're in. All you could ask for is to be in on a lot of these five star guys at this time of the year. It's only May. These guys have the whole entire rest of the year, like we said. There's still a college football season to be played before a lot of these guys are even going to commit. So, a lot of time still there. Ohio State does, you know, sometimes start out slow in the recruiting classes and then they build. You look at, you know, I remember last year looking at Alabama's class at like this time and they had like no one. I was like, what's going on at Alabama? And then by the end of the year, they were in the top five. So. It doesn't always come right away, especially when you're pursuing a lot of these, you know, top national guys. They like to take their time and 
I have no no concerns about Ohio State's 2023 class or, or their classes moving forward as long as Ryan Day and this current group of coaches is still at the helm because they seem like they, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing more than I do for sure. So I have my trust in them, and I, I think you all should too. But nonetheless... I think that's going to be it for us this week. Um, obviously not a ton going on in the summer, so recruiting is going to be a big focus, but we're going to have some little different things here and there that we're going to talk about different, um, different like I would say, uh, I don't want to say segments, but like uh, kind of ideas that we'll, we'll run through. I, like I've said a couple times now, I do want to do um, kind of Big Ten previews as we, we move forward in the offseason, kind of preview a lot of the teams on Ohio State schedule and just a lot of the teams in the Big Ten at large, so we'll definitely be doing that. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions for us, be sure to hit us up at Holy Land Pod if there's anything you want to hear us talk about moving forward as we, as we move into the kind of the, the depth of the offseason before things really get going. But nonetheless, be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHoland.com. We still have a bunch of good stuff going on over there as well. Um, be sure to like, rate, review, subscribe, and all that good stuff all those other podcasts ask you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross. And as always, Go Bucks. <laughs>